Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Church Medicine, a community coming home to Jesus and His Church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMedicine.com. Uh, would you turn with me in your Bibles or in your order for worship to that Thessalonians passage? Um, as I've been thinking about this morning and praying for you all, uh, the Lord just put uh, the Apostle Paul's words from the opening of his letter to the Thessalonians on my heart. Paul begins his letter um, after his greetings in verse 2. He says, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want to begin and spend this time this morning celebrating and giving thanks for your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope. You know, some of you have been here a part of Christ Church since very, very early on. I remember as Scott and Marissa were discerning, is God calling them to Madison? And, and we joined them in a day of prayer and fasting on April of 2017. And he did. He called them here, and they moved that fall. And I, I remember praying for them the last Sunday they were at City of Light and sending them here when they didn't really know anybody yet. And at that time, God was already working in many of your hearts to, to bring you here to partner with them. I remember that next summer of 2018 as you all started your first preview services. Some of you, your first service was on Easter, that first Easter celebration in 2018. Some of you came down and visited City of Light uh, that summer and then came to the cathedral where we all gathered that fall to ordain Scott and to commission Christ Church now with a name. It was just the Madison Church Planting Initiative before that. Some of you have joined along the way in 2019 and even this last year in 2020 during the pandemic, you've gotten connected here. Some of you might be brand new and this is one of your first weeks. And I want to celebrate wherever you've joined in the journey, what God has done and is doing and wants to do in Christ church and your work of faith and your labor of love so that many people in Madison and in the surrounding communities can find a home in Jesus and in his church. And if you've never followed Jesus, if you're still exploring, what, what would it mean to, to come home to Jesus and come home to his church? That's why this church is here. It's here for you. And that's why everyone has, has labored. It's out of love for you. I want to celebrate your work of faith, your labor of love, but I also want to encourage you, as Paul does, to be steadfast in your hope. Throughout the book of Thessalonians, he'll, he'll say to the church there, you're doing this, now do so more and more. So I want to celebrate and give thanks for you and say, keep it going. You can endure, you can be steadfast. 
Paul introduces one of the the main themes of this letter right here in this verse when he talks about a work of faith and a labor of love. He actually talks about work, um, and when he says the word work, he's, he's mostly referring to ministry, to telling the story of Jesus, to sharing the gospel, to the work of the church. When he talks about labor, he's mostly talking about manual labor. It's not just synonyms there. Um, He's got two different things in mind. He's talking about our day jobs, how we put food on the table, and he's saying it's a labor of love. Um, That's one of the main themes through the book. Uh, In fact, later on in the book, uh, chapter 5, verse 12, he'll say, honor, brothers and sisters, those who labor among you, those who are working, both the work of ministry and the work of just providing for the church. It made me think of a, a phrase that could have been a heading of one of the sections of this chapter that first appeared on April 16 in 1937 in the Paducah, Kentucky newspaper, The Sun Democrat. They ran an ad, and the title of the ad was Working Hard or Hardly Working. And that's the first time that phrase ever appeared in print. Who knew? Learned something new today. But that could be the heading for this passage because there are people in the church at, at Thessalonica who were not working hard. God says it's a a good thing to work hard. And Paul says we want to honor those who work hard to provide for their household, but also to provide for the household of God. That it's actually a labor of love. When he encourages them to work, he does it for their, he coins another phrase. He coins so many phrases in this book. You've heard labor of love before, right? This is where it comes from. Well, he says the reason we have a labor of love is for our Philadelphia for our sibling love for one another. Like that's why we work hard for for ministry. That's why we work hard to provide because it's a family thing. We're working hard for our family. It's a labor of love. It's for someone who we care about really deeply. I think most of us feel that at some point or another when we're doing some task in our day job and we, maybe, maybe you've stopped and thought like, well, I, I, maybe I don't love this thing I'm doing, or maybe I do, but I'm doing it to provide for my household, whether that household right now is just me or whether it includes other people, roommates, family members. Like, that's why I'm doing this, right? I'm, I'm working hard because of love. When Paul says labor of love, it's, it's a labor prompted by love. It's a labor motivated by love. After my sophomore year of college, I went back home. Uh, I live north of Detroit in Michigan at the time and, and uh, was looking for a summer job. And I found one in an uh, automotive plastics factory doing the third shift. So I'd go in at 10 p.m. at night and I'd be there until 7 a.m. in the morning and I'd just do the same thing like 5,000 times that night. The, it was like injection, plastic molding, and it, it, the, the machine, the press would spit out a part and then I'd have to like shave something off or sand something off or do a little quality control and put in a box and do the same thing like twice a minute and try to keep up. And I worked there from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. for about 12 weeks that summer. And about halfway there, they, they said they needed, they needed people to do some overtime. And if I worked a, a sixth day a week instead of just five, they'd give me time and a half. So instead of $10 an hour, $15 an hour. Well, that sounded awesome. So I did that. And then they said they needed more overtime. And if I worked a seventh day in a row which would mean not having a break before working five more days in a row, that they would give me double time, $20 an hour. That sounded amazing. So my last several weeks there, I just worked for like 
20-some days straight. And I went to the office, and I gave my notice, and they cut me my final check, and I went to the bank, and I, I cashed all the money I'd made that summer, and then I went to the jewelry store, and I bought the engagement ring for my wife. And there were some long nights at the factory, but they weren't that bad. It was a labor prompted by love. And Paul says that's why we work hard in our work of faith. That's why we work hard in our labor of love. Because of our love for one another. Because we're family. And here's the thing about the Bible that's crazy. is It doesn't say that we're family as a church. And that's the overriding way that the church is described in the Bible. It doesn't say we're family as kind of a metaphor. Or as like a nice sentimental thought. It actually means it, literally, even logistically. Ephesians says that in love, the Father predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, out of his good pleasure and design. We are actually brothers and sisters. Later on in Ephesians, Paul will say, you have one faith, one hope, one baptism, one spirit, one call. Why? Because you have one God and Father of all. And if we have the same Father, what does that make us? Brothers and sisters. And so Paul says we work hard in ministry and we work hard to provide for one another because we're family and we love one another. You know, even in our um, sort of Western American culture that can be so privatized, so individualized, especially when it comes to the work we do or the money we make or our time, uh, we still have joint banking accounts as households most of the time. We still share in the household chores most of the time. And if an extended family member came to you, if an, if an aunt or uncle or a cousin or a grandparent came to you and said, I'm really struggling physically. I'm really struggling financially. We would want to help, wouldn't we? We would say, well, they're family. We love them. We're connected. One of, uh, one of my favorite things to do is, uh, one of my favorite types of books to read is uh, like a mystery, detective novels. Does anyone, does anyone like to read those? I found a new series um, a, a couple years ago by Alexander McCall Smith called The Number One Ladies Detective Agency. Has anyone read this? They are delightful. It's set in uh, Botswana, Africa, uh, probably a few decades ago, and the main character is Mama Ramatswe, and she kind of walks around town, and everyone knows she solves crimes and, and does detective work, and so people are always coming up to her to ask her to do things, and that's fine with her. She can say no to some. She can say yes to some. She's her, her work boundaries are fine, but she, she always is worried that one of them might be a cousin. And she says, oh, in Botswana, almost everyone's a cousin of some sort. <laughs> and she's like, if they're a cousin, you can't charge and you have to help. Like, that's just part of their culture. And that's true in lots of cultures all around the world, where the idea of a household is, is so expanded and so shared And that's what the Thessalonians would have thought when Paul goes, I give thanks to God, our Father, for he has chosen you, verse 4, brothers and sisters. Like We're a family, and he meant that 
literally. Then when we look at the, the, the household chores of preparing, cleaning, caring, that it's a shared work of faith. It's a labor of love. Then when we look at the, the financial resources and those among our community near, need, that it's a, a shared work, a labor in love. And, and so much of growing up as the church is learning to reshape um, our thinking so we actually believe and live like we are sons and daughters of the Lord and we are brothers and sisters of one another. Amen? One of my favorite descriptions of this, and this reality is through every passage of the Bible, but one of my favorite ones is from Acts 2. I almost preached on it this morning, but I figure that Scott will probably want to preach on that later this fall when you guys do membership stuff. So I, I, I save the fun for you, Scotty. Um, but in Acts 2, there's this beautiful description of the church, the radiant bride of Christ in all of her day of Pentecost glory. And it's, it's outlined in a, in a really cool way. It's what they call a chiasm or sometimes a ring cycle, which was the normal way of writing things um, back in the ancient Near East. And it's a little bit different than how we do it today. Today, when we want to communicate a, a main idea, we say at the beginning, like I did this morning, we're going to talk about being grateful for your labor of love. And then we say it at the end, which I'll also do. Spoiler. Right? But in the ancient Near East, when they would do this kind of chiasm structure, they would put the central message in the center of the message, not at the beginning or the end. And so in Acts 2, it starts by saying people were added to the number of the church, 3,000 that day. And then it ends by saying, and so people were added to the number of the church. That's the outer ring. Think about a bullseye, right? The outer ring. And then the next ring in, it talks about studying the Bible and the apostles' fellowship and breaking of the bread, having communion and worshiping. And then the second to last verse talks about the same things. That's the next inner ring. Then there's another ring about the Holy Spirit. Well, in this beautiful description of who the church, the family of God is, what's in the center? They shared all things in common. And when one person had a need, the whole church figured out how they were going to meet it. What's happening there? They're just acting like family. In their culture, you would not sell something to provide something for somebody else if you weren't related. But if you were related, you would say, oh, their responsibility is my responsibility because it's a shared work. It's a labor of love. We have it in common. And so this beautiful picture of the church, the center of it, is that they believe the gospel that Jesus died so that we could be adopted into the family of God. So Jesus' father could be our father, so we could be brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. And then when they lived like it, people were like, I want to be part of a family like that. I want to come home to a Jesus like that. I want to come home to a church like that. Their labor of love is out of their love as brothers and sisters. And so Paul says, I give thanks to the Father for your work of faith, your labor of love, brothers and sisters. And then he says, and steadfastness of hope. Because you know what? Labors of love and works of faith are hard. Working hard is hard. (laughs) right? What's going to keep you going 
through that hard conversation with the brother and sister in the church, through that hard season in your life, through that hard season in the life of the church? What's kept you going during this last year in the hard season in our whole world? I read a, bo- uh, a book last summer um, called Boys in the Boat. It's an amazing book. Has anyone read it? You, you guys read it? Yeah. It's about the 1936 U.S. Olympic rowing team. I had no knowledge of rowing as a sport. I had no knowledge of the 1936 Olympics. Um, they were held in Berlin, Germany, right before the onset of World War II. So a year before Germany annexed Austria, two years before they invaded Poland, and then war was declared, they hosted the Olympics. And so Hitler and the whole regime was there watching the events, including this rowing event. And the rowing team from the U.S. faced all of these challenges, sometimes unfairly uh, constructed things to keep them from winning. But the interesting thing is the, the rowing team that year wasn't made up of the sort of Ivy League East Coast elites that it had been in a lot of previous seasons. That year, rowing for one of the East Coast teams was the president's son. And those teams were made up of the, the sons of oil tycoons and mayors and governors. And, but that's not who made the Olympic team that year. Th- that year, it was a team from the Northwest Pacific. And it was loggers and the working poor and, and those who had spent their whole life having to suffer and learn resilience because that's where the next meal was going to come from, only if they worked hard enough all day, every day. And they had spent their life building up resilience. And rowing is a sport that takes everything you've got. You work yourself to the point of emotional and physical and mental exhaustion every day, and then you do it the same the next day for months and months and months, and then you race for one race for a couple minutes. And it also is incredibly demanding of teamwork. You have to be so synchronized. Every movement of rowing that you do is synchronized with all the other boys in the boat. And if you're just off by an uncalculable amount, a tiny amount, it slows the whole thing down. But when you can really get synced up and going in the same direction, breathing at the same time even, then you really fly. And I loved this conversation right in the middle of the boat between, between one of the rowers and between one of the coaches. And this, this rower is kind of the, the heart of the team, but he'd been abandoned over and over by his family growing up. They just left him when he was 10, and then again when he was 14. And he was having a hard time trusting his teammates. And the coach says to him, what matters more than how hard one man rose and was how well everything he did in the boat harmonized with what the other fellows were doing. And you can't harmonize with your crewmates until you open your heart to them. You have to care about your crew. You have to give yourself up to them, even if it means getting hurt, because it has to matter not just whether you win the race, but whether your crewmate does. He goes on at the end of that speech, and he says, you've already learned to row past pain, past exhaustion, past the voices that tell you they can't be done. But when you really start trusting those other boys, you will feel the power at work within you far beyond anything you've ever imagined. And that's what happened in those final races in Berlin and 1936, you can actually go on YouTube and watch 
the video of it in black and white if you want to, was because they were rowing for one another. Their work, their endurance, their incredible resilience was fueled by their love for one another. It was a labor of love. And that's why they were able to give themselves to one another. And as I think about all of your work of faith this last year, all of your labor of love in this process of planting Christ Church, wherever you've come and joined along the way, I give thanks for all of those moments of sacrifice. All of those stories of steadfast hope that have brought you to today. All of that hard work of ministry, all of that labor prompted by love. I know some of your stories. I know some of the stories of the sacrifices you made to take a leap of faith and move here. Some of you left jobs and found new ones. Some of those jobs weren't as fulfilling and didn't pay as much. Some of you sold homes and bought new ones. Some of those homes were smaller and didn't work as well for your family. Some of you had the call of God to to leave one faith community to partner with this one. Some of you did not know the Lord. And you came here. And you met the Lord and you came home to Jesus. Some of you had been away from the church. And you came here. And because of the work of ministry and the steadfastness of hope and the labor of love, you had a coming home to the church where this could be your church family. Some of you were courageous in those small moments of conversations that were hard, conflict you healthfully pressed into and worked through, sacrifices you made that no one knows about, that no one will ever see. I know some of the stories of this church, and I know what type of stories it takes for a church to be planted, but Jesus knows them all. And I give thanks to him for you. And just like the church in Thessalonians where Paul says, every church in the region has heard about your faith. That's true for you, Christ Church. And all over the upper Midwest, your sister churches this morning are celebrating with you. And we've been texting each other all weekend celebrating your work of faith, your steadfastness of hope. Thank you. Thank you for your work for the gospel. I honor you because Paul says to honor those who work hard in ministry. And I want to honor your pastors and your leaders too. In uh, chapter 2, verse 9, Paul says, You remember, brothers and sisters, our labor and toil, that we worked night and day. And he says in the middle of uh, the passage we read in chapter 1, you know what kind of people we proved to be amongst you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. And you have been given pastors in Scott and Marissa who you can imitate in the Lord, who have worked hard hard in this work of faith, who have made it a labor of love, who have made sacrifices that only the Lord sees, and they've done it out of their love for you, out of their love for the Lord, out of the love for those who have yet to come home to Jesus in his church. And we honor you guys this morning, 
and we give thanks for you. And I want to charge you, Christ Church, to encourage them in their steadfastness. Today's a great day to say thank you to your group leaders or team leaders, to the pastors here, to the advisory parish council here. And here's an idea. What if you picked one day a year that you would write a note to your pastors here and just say, here's what the Lord's been doing in me through Christ Church this year. Thank you for your labor of love. Maybe it's the last week of June to celebrate being fully planted. Maybe it's All Saints, the day you guys all launch. Just pick a day every year and honor those who work hard among you. Giving your life for your family is always worth it. Working hard in the work of faith, working hard in your labor of love is always worth it. And I want to encourage you all to take a step deeper into the family of God Just take a step deeper into the work of faith and into the labor of love. Maybe for you that means um, letting down some of the, the guards that you have between relationships with other people and taking those small relational risks to trust one another and to get to know one another more deeply. Maybe that's joining a group. Maybe it's doing some of the the manual labor Paul's talking about and joining a team and helping set things up or helping serve the community during the week. Y'all are doing a membership process this fall where you'll have the chance to commit more deeply to the life of the church. Make that a work of faith. Maybe you've never been a member of a church before. Make that a labor of love this year. Maybe you haven't given financially to City of Light and you want to make your first gift. Maybe you've given periodically and you want to give regularly. Maybe during the week you want to have those moments where you go in the middle of a task at your job. Not only am I providing for my household, I'm providing for the household of God at Christ Church. And that's a labor of love. Maybe you're still worshiping through the live stream. And your work of faith is to come back and be in person each week. If you are physically, uh, safely able to be here, then make that a work of faith to be back here every week. All of our schedules got messed up. All of the logistics got more complicated. There's fears and anxieties to work through. That's all true. Make it a labor of love to be back here worshiping with your brothers and sisters. A live stream is better than nothing, but it's nothing compared to being here in person because your brothers and sisters need you and you need your brothers and sisters. So make that a work of faith in these next months, in these next weeks. Because we are the family of God. And we want to live like brothers and sisters. And we want to do that as a labor of love. And we persevere in our work of faith and our labor of love. We have a steadfast hope in whom? In our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul ends this by talking about his death for us, his resurrection, and his coming again. We work hard for the Lord because he is a God who works hard for us. Amen? I love this moment in the Gospels where Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, my father is always at work to this very day. Alleluia. Our labor of love is prompted by the love and the labor of the Lord. Amen? Hebrews says that for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured. He was steadfast. He had resilience. He endured the cross. 
despising the shame, and now is seated at the right hand of the Father. And the writer says, Consider Jesus who endured such opposition so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. Fix your eyes on him. What was the joy that was set before Jesus? Well, part of it is returning to his father's house, being reunited in the household of God. But part of it is who he gets to bring with him. Jesus went to the cross and he did the work of the cross so that we could be adopted into the family of God. We are his workmanship in Christ Jesus. So Jesus is the joy that's set before him, the joy that gives him endurance, is you and is me. We are the Lord's labor of love. Praise the Lord. On the cross, he says, my work is finished so that we can enter into his household, so that he can bring us home to the Father with him. Jesus' love has endured. It will endure. And so our work of faith, our labor of love is prompted by fueled by, motivated by the love of the Lord for us and our love for those who are invited to be adopted into the family of God and who don't yet know it. Praise the Lord. Well done, Christ Church. Bless you all. Receive just the delight of Jesus for your partnership with him in building his family and building his household. We give thanks to God always for all of you, remembering before God our Father your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfast hope in Jesus Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.